Hello, everyone. So, your favorite show on Wednesday afternoon, Reflect and Reset with Maria and Gina. <laughs> Hi. We have our usual we're, Yeah, we're back in our setup. space. We're very, very happy that uh, we're doing this setup, and you might ask, why are we not socially distancing? So Dr. Gonzalez is a doctor that works with our in our facility, and we actually all get tested every week, and we work together. This is how we are, you know, we're always uh, talking and meeting, and uh, so we decided to actually go back to the way that yeah. we used to do our shows, and it feels awesome. Yeah, it does. It, it, it feels, you know, it's so much easier. We don't lose connection, right? right? So I'm not gonna lose connection with you. So, uh, you know, and the good thing is, without further ado, we already just introduced you, right? So, Dr. Madej uh, um, Gonzalez, I'm sorry, I'm sorry my words today, um, he works with us. She's an interventional cardiologist here at Forme. And actually, we were talking about this before the show. You know, people don't really know what interventional cardiology is versus cardiology, right? Because I actually had to look it up, and I should know because in the, being in the medical field, but... <laughs> Um, but so maybe you can shed some light on that. Right. So uh, thank you, Gina and Maria <laughs> for having me here again. Uh, it feels like it was like three years ago, but it was almost <laughs> a couple months, not ago. even two months ago yeah. Yeah. when I was this... here. Um, so yes, it's been, it's always a, a pleasure. Um, thank you. So, What's the difference between an interventional cardiologist and a, a general cardiologist? Interventional cardiologists actually do procedures. Um, they are uh, considered invasive. Uh, we do coronary angiograms. We do um, put stents. Uh, we treat acute uh, myocardial infarctions. And people who are coming with a heart attack, we, we, we treat them. We open up the blockages. Um, we also take care of the carotids, uh, the, the blockages in the legs, um, in the arteries of the kidneys. Um, so another subdivision of interventional cardiologists is people who deal with the valves. They, they, they uh, put valves um, when there is a tightness in, in the valves mm -hmm. in the heart. So it's, it's a whole uh, So you actually do surgeries? You do? It's not surgery, it's minimally invasive. Okay. So we do it either through the leg uh, or through the arm. Mm -hmm. So 95% um, of my coronary cases, I do it through the, through the arm. Um, it's just easier for the patients. They can walk, they can eat, they can just go home the same day. Uh, there is less bleeding risk, less infection. It's just more comfortable. Uh, but when we can't, for some reason, we can't complete the procedure to the arm, then we go through the leg. And it's through a big uh, IV, it's like a sheath that we put, and then through there we deal with the catheters. So you've been working with us um, now for, well, actually it was pre-COVID, pre yeah. mm -hmm. and then we took a little break and we came back together. And now we are really uh, working hard and uh, the practice is growing. You're seeing a lot more patients and we've been able to create a, a, a cardiac lab in a way. I mean, we're, we're not doing those procedures that you were talking about, but to, let's talk a little bit about the procedures that we're doing in our facility now. Right, so, um, you know, we have a, a big population. Uh, we treat a big population here. We have a lot of uh, diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, obesity. Um, so there is a big prevalence of that in, in this community. Uh, so one of the important things, um, treating 
this population is to uh, screen them for, for heart disease, for blockages, for arrhythmias. Um, so right now we are offering a battery of tests to screen people and test if they're having any symptoms and catch them early. And that's the whole point, right? Catch them yeah. early. If there's any problems growing, um, brewing, so we'll, we're, we're able to diagnose it and treat it to prevent further complications um, and getting them to the lab, mm -hmm. uh, which is what the whole point of uh, prevention, right? So we are offering um, echocardiograms, which is an ultrasound of the heart. Uh, with that, we look at the uh, structural part of the heart, the function, if it's strong, if it's weak, uh, any valvular problems. Um, we look, we're also doing stress um, echoes, uh, which is um, an echo uh, with coupled with the stress testing. We put the patient on a treadmill and, um, and then we compare uh, the ultrasound images after um, uh, at peak exercise uh, with the recent images. And basically we're trying to see if there is any abnormalities, any suggestion of uh, ischemia or of certain part of the heart is not getting enough oxygen. Um, we do halters, um, halter monitors, event monitoring for patients who have palpitations and, and they might be having an arrhythmia, patients that are uh, feeling lightheaded. Um, you know, there is uh, many, many indications for that. Patients, we hook them here in the office to the monitor, they go home and they wear the monitor for, you know, a certain amount of time. And, and then, you know, we get the read and we, you know, plan accordingly. Uh, we also do vascular uh, ultrasounds. We screen for the carotids, the, uh, for uh, abdominal, the abdominal aorta, for aneurysms. Uh, it's important for um, patients who are hypertensive, um, men over age of 50, those smokers, they tend to um, form like weakening in the, in the walls of the aorta. And, and that weakened area may grow. That's called an aneurysm. It can rupture and, you know, patient died. So, so we are screening for that and that's a recommendation um, in hopes to catch those people who already have an aneurysm and, and follow them. Yeah, and you know- Because they might need surgery. And you know what we find is that what people don't understand is that there are different diagnoses that people have that need to see a cardiologist. like. For example, a diabetic would think that they need to see the podiatrist and their internal medicine doctor, but they really need to see a cardiologist. Now, what, it, the, what does diabetes have to do with cardiology? How does diabetes affect the heart? So diabetes, type one, type two, um, you know, it, it's very prevalent. Um, most of the patients who have diabetes end up having heart disease. Uh, just because diabetes, just like high blood pressure, smoking, cholesterol, obesity, um, over time, it damages the linings of the arteries. Uh, it damages the nerves that supply the heart. And people develop heart blocks, arrhythmias, uh, blockages in the arteries of the heart that may weaken and, and develop um, uh, cardiac insufficiency. So it, it's very important to catch and treat these people uh, aggressively before they develop that. And um, as far as usually people that have chronic conditions like diabetics, 
many of them also end up having hypertension, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And why is that? Like you would ask, like, why is it that that goes like hand in hand? Well, you know, it's uh, many things, right? Many things. Um, Diabetes damage the lining of the of the uh, arteries of the heart, right? And it will start uh, creating um, thickening or, or hardening of, of the of the vessels that draws, um, causes hypertension. Some people have genetic predisposition, obesity. It's an inflammatory state that also raises the blood pressure. Um, so there are many many factors. Diet. And I think some people don't understand the high risk when you have hypertension. This is something that we were doing, uh, we're still doing. Every time somebody comes in to get a COVID test, we check. And what we found during the COVID uh, time, when I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but when we were at 40% positive people, that so many people had hypertension in one of the concerns i remember this man specifically that his blood pressure was like 210 over 155. he had not taken his medicine for one week and we were trying to get him to go to the emergency room from here because because we were concerned so can you explain like why is it important to manage your high blood pressure what happens with um you know chronic high blood pressure that is is going untreated or is getting not uh, controlled what happens is that the heart you know the heart is a pump that has to squeeze the blood out against all those high pressures so it's like you're running a marathon and you're not allowed to stop that's the way i explain it to the patients at some point you're gonna collapse and that's the same thing that happens to the heart the heart weakens um, first, it, it hypertrophied, it, it, it gets thickened, it doesn't relax well, but then over time, it grows, it dilates, and then there when it comes the, 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 the heart failure with reduce F, which is like a weakened heart, a weak heart. Um, also, high, high blood pressure creates, uh, predisposes to blockages in the heart, which in, t- in turn doesn't allow um, oxygen and the nutrients to supply the muscles, so the heart is also going to weaken. Um, hypertension causes strokes. Uh, that person, that's what we call it. If he didn't, if he wasn't having any symptoms, that's a hypertensive urgency. Um, yeah. So he could have a brain bleed at any point. Um, we, you know, we try to explain that, and I think there's a challenge with men more than women. Because I, I remember, you know, we were telling him, you have to go. You have to go to the emergency room. We were concerned because he rushed out of here to go to work. And he's like, no, I have to go to work. But I cannot go. And we're like, but you are at risk of having a stroke. That's why hypertension is called the silent killer. Because mm-hmm. people don't have symptoms until they do, and, and until it's too late until the heart attack comes or the stroke comes or they develop kidney failure because the kidney, there is so much pressure the kidneys can take. Um, and then they don't, you know, they, they start retaining water and it's, you know, they, they get flooded, their lungs get pulmonary edema. And, you know, it's it's already in the advanced stages. Without with checking organs. with the, you know, with the machine, the blood pressure machine, how would somebody know 
um, like if the, if the guy didn't come here yeah. and and didn't have it checked, what symptoms would he feel that would kind of show that he? That's why he calls a silent killer. This guy he don't know. was probably not having any symptoms. No, he said, "I feel fine." Right, you don't know. Right, some people get headaches. Yeah, right. Uh, some people get lightheaded. Some mm -hmm. people say, you know, I ask them. Why did you check your blood pressure? Oh, I wasn't feeling right. I was feeling lightheaded or I Got was it. having a headache. But not a, most people don't have any symptoms until it's the stroke comes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, seeing a cardiologist is important once you are, have been, um, you know, diagnosed with high blood pressure, especially for patients that have hypertension difficult to control. If you are in three meds and your blood pressure is still not well controlled, um then you might consider and, and we're getting a lot of referrals from primary uh physicians that are sending us this type of patients to do a further workup into why is this patient so uncontrolled are we missing something else because um, sometimes we do find it's only 20 percent of the cases but we do find things that we can reverse mm -hmm. and we can treat and the blood pressure goes down. And what about um, cholesterol too? Cholesterol is another killer. Exactly. Diabetes is very is, is linked to um, a hypercholesterolemia, hypertension too. It's it's a whole metabolic syndrome. But cholesterol is when you have the particles right going through your blood that hardens. Is that right? The the, the the plaques start forming uh, when there is damage in the endothelial um, um, la layer of the of the arteries and then cholesterol plaques starts build up uh, sometimes those cholesterol plaques is hardened and and they um they get um kind of like covered with calcium mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes they become unstable they rupture and that's when patients have a heart attack got it wow scary so you would recommend that every patient that is uh, diagnosed as a diabetic that they should see a cardiologist if they're having symptoms if they've been a diabetic for a long time um it, it would be reasonable just to make sure that there is nothing and this is for type missing. two or both both, both. especially the child? type one diabetes yeah what the about type young one diabetes person? that have been uh, you know diabetics for a long time those patients are you know by the time I see them as an adult. They've been dealing with um, hyperglycemia for ten years. Yeah, my my niece is, was three when she was diagnosed with type one. Right. She's twenty three now. Right. So should she be followed by a, a cardiologist now at that not age? Followed, not followed. Um, if she doesn't have any symptoms, if she's controlled, it would. I think it it would be okay. Um, maybe one time visit just to make mm -hmm. sure everything is fine. And kind of give you a baseline, right? A little baseline. A baseline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it would be reasonable. Talking about reasonable, so there there are preventive medicine that we do, right? We do a yearly physical. We do a colonoscopy at the age of fifty. What is the type of cardiology procedure, preventive medicine that people should be doing at what age? Okay, so we would check and and this is not particular to cardiologists any primary care should do this right uh we should check the lipids uh once every five, three to five years um yeah so the cholesterol uh hemoglobin a1c to screen for diabetes thyroid uh function to screen for thyroid um disorders um there is, is that not like for does that link to cardiology yes 
because yes. I have thyroid disease. Right. So um, for uncontrolled thyroid, like hyperthyroidism or hypo, hypothyroidism, um, we see heart failure. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. Wow. Um, for like I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, age over 50, smokers, patients with hypertension, patients with CKD, with uh, renal disease, um, recommendations are to screen for um, abdominal aorta aneurysms, um, check the blood pressure. Um, I like to check blood pressures in both arms, legs. Um, when we're examining the patient, we are listening for any fluids to see if there is any uh, plaques in the arteries that go up to the brain. Those. And I know COVID has mm -hmm. taken many people that have heart conditions. And an EKG. Sorry, that's an like EKG. The, the, the bread and butter, the EKG. Yes. But going back and we'll go to the COVID, yeah. how often should you have an EKG? Well, it, it depends, right? If if you have no if if you have no complaints um, and your EKG is normal, so you don't need you don't need a, a routine a serial EKG. Should you have one at every physical? Yes. Once it once a year, no. Depending on the age or De depending on your pro medical okay. problems, depending if you have any issues. But it's not a routine recommendation. Every year you should have an EKG. Your the primary doctor, I guess, will decide if this is something that it's if it's your needs. Right. Um, this is very interesting. Um, going back to COVID, so I actually was talking to someone uh, the other day this week that was telling me that his friend, 60 years old, um, very healthy guy, um, he got, they both got COVID. They were working on a project and the guy that had the heart condition, I don't know what it was, you know, but he said he passed away. Mm -hmm. So did you see uh, a lot of cases where this is happening or, or happened? Absolutely. Um you know, and, and, and this is something that we do know now with our experience here in New York and, and, and you know, across the world, um, patients with chronic conditions like diabetes, especially if it's uncontrolled, right? Diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, um, heart failure, cabbage, you know, patients who have had bypass, um, kidney problems and obesity. I saw, um, you know, they, they do worse. They, their mortality risk is higher than those with no chronic conditions. Um, most of the young people, and, and this is my personal experience, young people without any chronic conditions that I saw that ended up in the ICU and they die were obese. Mm. So obesity is a big risk factor for um, problems if you get COVID. And you know what I learned with my father who passed away, um, you know, when you, if you don't take care of your heart and once your heart dies, you can't get that part back, you know, and you only use like my, at one point, my father was only using 20%. He was at 20% of what the capacity of his heart should have been. And there was no way of the rest of the heart was dead. There was no way of getting it back. Right. You know, we, we do have, um, heart transplants. Yeah. But it, it's it's very difficult, mm -hmm. and then you also you know to get a transplant is each mm -hmm. with a certain physical condition, which if you've been dealing with heart failure for a long time, probably your kidneys are right. not good, your liver is not good, 
you know, there is another battery of problems that may not make you candidate for a heart, heart transplant. Yeah. So what I tell my 80% of my visits, it's patient education, right? right? Um, it's not about dying. It's not about having a heart attack. It's about living with the consequences of a heart attack or with the consequences of a stroke. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, it's not pleasant when you cannot walk half a block without having to stop to catch your breath. Yeah, so it's, um, you don't think about that. You don't think no. because you're healthy. Until you don't it think happens. about that until exactly. it happens. Until it happens. And you're like, damn, I wish I did this. Damn, I wish I listened to Dr. Gonzalez, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Gonzalez, if you are a young person and you are very overweight, um, it, should that person be worried about cardiac conditions? Absolutely. And should, is that a candidate to come and actually have a consultation? Will you say that if you are uh, obese and you, you know, you haven't seen you're young, so you feel, well, I'm young. I don't have to worry about my heart because I'm young, but I am obese. Is that somebody that should be coming to do at least one consultation with a cardiologist? Um, I think it would be reasonable if it's gonna, if they are in the mindset of changing their lifestyles, right? And and sometimes just talking with the physician or, or with other people, sometimes they just, you know, something clicks that, oh, I had not thought about that, you know? Um, so maybe it's just the fear. You know, sometimes you have to still uh, instill a little fear that this is going in a bad direction. You know, and you could say it, I could say it when it comes from the doctor. It is, it, that, that's right, that's right. When they come in and their blood pressure is high, plus they know they are not doing well. They know they are, you know, ob obese and uh, they know they cannot, they're not as mobile as they would like. Um, plus now they're having high blood pressure, you know, or when we check their bloods, cholesterol is through the roof, or they're having pre-diabetes. Something, you know, sometimes that kind of, it's, it's enough to trigger that response that will make them start walking. And, and the way I mm -hmm. tell my, my obese patients, you don't have to, you know, go to the gym or, or, or run a marathon, just start walking, right? Just start moving, you know, get your heart pumping, just, but start. A few minutes a day. A few Still minutes a day. And then you build up. Exactly. We tried to do that with my dad, it didn't work. He got on the treadmill for three minutes and he's like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> He never got back on. <laughs> well, but it's hard when your heart is, uh, you yeah, know, he was older too when he when he started working. And and we're talking about something that you know affects affects so many oh people. Oh my god, so many people. Why? I was talking to my daughter about that yesterday, and we were like, nobody wants to be obese. Why is this so hard? Like, what's your opinion? This is more of a philosophical um, question. Our diet. You know, it's not the same as it was 50 years ago. It's a lot of, you know, fast foods, fast foods, uh, chemicals, the... exactly, mm -hmm. you know, like things to ripen the fruit faster and to uh, grow the chicken faster, you know, all, all those preservatives yeah. and they're not naturals, you know, and, and not everybody can afford organic foods, right? Because they are expensive. Um, also just our world is geared up to be sedentaries 
Right now we have a bunch of electronics. Uh, we're always with the phone here or the tablet TV, or the iPad. Netflix. Um, our portions are like this when you come when it comes out and play. You know, I've been to Italy many times and they're lean. People are lean there. You know, the portions are smaller. They eat, you know, a few meals, but it's they're small meals. Small. And they're not a big plate of pasta and then a big plate of chicken and a big plate of dessert. And a big you know, they do right. everything. And they walk a lot food. too. And they walk a lot, right. That's right. And I think their food might be also a little bit more, natural, more organic. Natural. Yes. Um, I think that's the issue. That's that's why I became a pescatarian because I watch what's what's that documentary? Game, game changer. Game changer. It changed. It definitely changed. I, I didn't watch it, so I still eat meat. <laughs> She's telling me if you watch it, you won't eat meat. Um, but I really like meat. I don't want to. Yeah. Watch. Well, uh, <laughs> you know when we start. Um, uh, when I started cardiology, there is a, an attending at Montefiore, uh, Dr. Robert Osfeld. Hi, if you're watching. <laughs> um, he he has us watch during orientation a video called uh, Forks Over Knives. Forks Over Knives. Forks Over Knives. And he was able to put it in the in the TV channel at the, all Montefiore uh, places. Mm -hmm. And it's really like if you watch that documentary, uh -huh. it's... Yeah, you're not gonna wanna eat meat again. And that do you eat meat? I'm a pescatarian. You are a pescatarian. Yes. Which is a huge step for, you know, Latino people. Latino people. <laughs> Does your children eat meat? No, she's vegetarian. My daughter is also a vegetarian and uh, she's a pescatarian. Yeah, she'll eat so she'll, she'll, eat uh, she'll eat fish. Yeah. I also felt that it was a drastic change. I. I, I might get to some point where I would do a vegetarian uh, diet. What I found is that there are so many, like we have those burgers from Fridays. Uh -huh. They're just like yeah, they're, burger. Um, what they're called? The, the, impossible, burger. the impossible. The Beyond Burger. Beyond, Beyond, Beyond Burger. burger yeah. yeah. And it's delicious. It's I feel yeah. like I'm eating meat. And I definitely don't miss the meat as much, but there are certain things like I love Axel. Oh, this is, he's showing um that our producer who is wonderful is showing uh -uh. oh yeah, there it is. Yep. Yep. that's awesome it's i think i mean one thing i'm going to encourage if you are somebody that is sort of in the fence what do i do like watch the documentaries i think it gives you an insight for me the knowledge that i got from this documentary i said it's not worth it like it's just for that few minutes of enjoying, and it, it, it's a personal choice. Obviously, we're not criticizing right. Gina's her choice. You know, everybody has a choice. It's a personal choice. I just felt that the risk outweighed the taste. Like that few minutes of, mm, this tastes delicious, it outweighs the outcome of the longevity that I want to create in my life. And that is that was basically it. And I made a decision after that documentary, no more. That's that's great. But but like you said, not everybody is. It's a know, choice. It's, it's really a yeah. personal choice, right? And what I tell my patients because I I'm trying to create a partnership between me and the patient. Otherwise, it's not gonna work, right? I can tell them whatever, but if they don't do it, you know what's what's the point? um so what i tell them is like you don't have to stop eating pork or beef or you know whatever it is that you like just don't have it every day 
every mm -hmm. day of the week. Just choose one day that's gonna be your cheat day, and then you you do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. You know, you yep. that one day, but most of the week, just change. Better. I love what you're saying. You know, it is about creating that relationship, and we can't judge. You know, this is absolutely you. You you start judging, then we start getting into negative connection right and that's not what you want from your patient Absolutely so not. um i love that and that's why you are who you are and that's why you're growing <laughs> you know with us and uh, we're very very lucky to have you and i know we're getting towards the end of the show uh we want to thank you we want to thank you for the work that you're doing with us uh you're definitely all in in our mission and we feel totally blessed we always say, you know, there's a door that opens and somebody comes in here and they're together with us in this mission to really impact our community. So we, Gina and I want to thank you from our hearts. I'm, I'm the owner one. I mean, uh, it's, it's really, it's been incredible. And I, I'm looking forward to continue growing. Oh, yes. We love you. So you guys are very lucky that we have Dr. Gonzalez with us. Yes. So um, call and make your appointment. Yes. Everybody. <laughs> At least get your baseline. Even people who don't think there's a problem, get your baseline. Trust me. <laughs> and before we leave, we want to thank our producer, Henry. Henry. Ramos. Your face, Henry. Hi, Henry. Henry. Where are you? Where are you? There Yay! he is. Yay, Henry. In our studio in the back. <laughs> this is a whole production. So we want to thank Henry for all of your support. Um, Henry, you'll put your in the feed you'll put the information on your company if anybody's interested in uh, getting Henry to do their shows or any social media uh, uh, production. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, we want to thank you for watching us, for supporting us. We want to thank our community. You guys have been amazing supporting for May. We have been awarded health, Westchester Health yeah. Yeah, healthcare heroes. Heroes. And uh, we want to thank Westchester Magazine for um, acknowledging the work that we're doing. It's heartwarming for us to be recognized for what we love to do, which is taking care of you. Because at Formate, our mission is your health. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That is us in Westchester Magazine. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for your support. Remember to like the show. We'll see you, see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.